Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about talk now. About now talk about. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not going to shout now. Shout now, she's not going to shout. So get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. I am your host, Jen Kirkman. This is the 14th episode of season 10. I've been doing this podcast for 10 years. If you want to go back and listen to archived episodes, you just go on and click that link in the show notes and that will take you there. Now, this podcast is completely supported by Patreon subscribers. The ads you hear do not go into my pocket. That just keeps me on this platform so that y'all can get it for free. But I am on a mad tear to get 1,500 subscribers by the end of the summer. I used to have 1,500, but people, they go away or their card doesn't work or whatever. So I'd love to get up there so that this can be a viable second living for me. I will tell you that some of the worst men in comedy, the rapists, the sexual assaulters, and the right-wing psychos, they have over 30,000 subscribers. I have 1,000. So let's put our money where our mouths is, is and are. $3 a month. That's the starting level. The next level up is $5. For $5 a month, you get full ad-free episodes plus bonuses. This week, I dropped two video bonuses, me walking around my neighborhood, just talking about what's on my mind, gave you a little tour of the new stuff in my apartment. And then in a second video, I talked about a TV opportunity I have coming up that is unpaid and kind of ridiculous, but I let everyone weigh in on what they would do. So there's always fun interaction on the Patreon. And again, for everyone out there who says, oh, I love you so much. You're my favorite. You got to pay for my work. That is how people stay afloat. Uh, when I was touring, so many people said, uh, I can't come out to see you. I don't like to go out at night. And now everyone's like, I'd come see you if you only would play Portland. I said, I played Portland every year for 15 years. Oh, I didn't know. This is, see, then, then I, now I don't tour. So you gotta pay for people when you like them or you will miss out or they will go away because if you don't make a good living on what you do, you gotta go do something else. And I wanna keep this podcast going. So I'm gonna read comments from Patreon subscribers. This is from 
Blake, he says, huge Jen fan here. I've been a fan since the first Netflix special, but a little late to the podcast. Joining Patreon was a no-brainer because it was more time to listen to her while I commute to work, drive over a bridge, or perhaps go to sleep. Most importantly, since I never got the chance to see Jen live, not by choice, but by limitations of youth, I'm freshly 21, the Patreon allows me to see her Never before seen materials such as stand-up videos with her mother, mother, the impression is accurate, and the inside scoop on stories. Truly worth the $5. Monoclaw says, I like that Jen reads and comments extensively on news stories that I don't have the time or bandwidth to read because she's funny. Also, I usually agree with her opinions and sometimes just need to hear someone else who is not me talking to myself calling out some of the uh, misogyny in this world. Jason says, oh, I already read that one. Sorry. <laughs> ah. This is from Michelle. I've been listening to Jen's podcast since they started. I've been a huge fan of Jen's for a long time, and I'm so happy that I subscribed to her Patreon. It's such a fun and special community of folks who can talk to Jen and each other about what's going on. I love Jen's take on things and hearing about her life. Being a Gen X woman, Jen makes me feel seen and heard. I find myself saying things like, yes, Jen, you get it. You know what I'm going through. I feel so much less alone being part of the no fun community. All of the Patreons are so awesome and respectful. I love being part of this fun group. Hope says, I rely on Jen to help me get through hellish DC traffic and my neighborhood walks. I love her take on social issues and pop culture, especially and just like that. I truly hope this podcast continues for a very long time. I really appreciate her willingness to continue the podcast despite all the things she has on her plate. All right. Thanks, y'alls. There will be more comments to read in upcoming episodes. So what am I going to talk about this week? Now, if I don't get to everything, don't go all crazy on me. I'll get to it on the next episode or on the $5 bonus episode this month. I don't know. But I don't want any messages. You said you were going to talk about this. Come on, people. Um, I'm going to talk about selling furniture to my neighbors and people who say things like, I'll give you time to unwind after work and why that annoys me. I think I got norovirus last week. I had a very strange puking situation, um, driving over a bridge using my own talk that I preach out here. And I have some articles that I want to read about. Um, oh, I'll also be talking about stranger things just a little bit, just a little bit. Some articles about a threesome gone wrong on a carnival cruise. Keanu Reeves at the airport is the hope we need in this world right now. And Alec Baldwin interviews Woody Allen. And Newsweek uh, published my tweet that I wrote about it, which I didn't mean to happen. And, and maybe we'll get to more things, but I'll, I'll just start with that. And if I, again, if I don't get to any of these, we're going to talk about it next time. What should we start with? You know what? If you want to hear personal stories about my life, you can join the Patreon. Let's just start with Alec Baldwin interviewing Woody Allen. Okay, so <sighs> let's start with this. Alec Baldwin was on, uh, I think he tweeted that, I think he tweeted or it was on TikTok or something, but he was going to interview Woody Allen. 
which I didn't even know Woody Allen. I mean, this man really does not, he's never really done a lot of interviews in his life. I don't think, maybe I'm totally wrong about that. But he doesn't do a lot of going out in public. And he's a hundred million years old. And so I didn't even think that he would be uh, up for doing a Zoom. I mean, obviously I know he's not the one putting it all together. But I just didn't think uh, he would even get on one. I, like, I didn't even think he'd want his old face to be seen. And again, that's not me, me being ageist. Because I think all old faces should be seen. But I'm just talking about what Woody Allen I thought thought of himself. So I'm, I'm vamping a little because I'm trying to find the audio of Alec Baldwin announcing his interview with Woody Allen. I think it's here. I think I have found, oh no, that's something else. Oh, here it is. Okay, so it was on his Instagram. So now let me just back this up for a minute and let's just remind you all that Alec Baldwin killed someone. I, I, I don't even remember what it was. It was in, within the last year. Now, of course, it was an accident. I know that that probably fucked him up. But it was a... It was a pretty preventable accident. I understand that when you're on set and you're dealing with a gun. There should be no bullets in the gun. There should be no bullets on set, period. A lot of times prop guns don't even use prop bullets. It's done with CGI coming out of the barrel of the gun and then sound effects. But there are some uh, prop guns that, that shoot out prop things that, again, wouldn't be able to hurt anyone. And then sometimes the prop things if, could hurt people. Like literally like you'll take an eye out. So you, you, you're careful with that. But, but this weird, bizarre case that I still don't know what happened to it, but the prop people were kind of inexperienced. The whole crew working on a shoestring, like semi non-union budget was operating very strangely. And they had, they had sought out to hire this expert prop master, that's the name of the job, who had been in the business decades. And when he saw this ragtag team of people, he said, I don't want to be part of this job. But then when he said no to the job, he thought, I think there's going to be an accident on this set. And he felt very guilty. This man who had nothing to do with it, he interviewed for the job, said, no, thank you, went about his life. This man feels guilty that someone got killed because he felt like he knew again, with this ragtag group of people that he interviewed with, there could potentially be an accident. Alec Baldwin, I know he felt bad. I know he did. I mean, he's not a complete sociopath, but I feel like you just have to go away. I mean, maybe you can work again, like go put on a character, film a movie if they let you, but you got to go away otherwise. You, got, you can't be on the socials. You can't be interviewing Woody Allen or anybody. I know at one point it seemed as though the husband of the woman that Alec Baldwin accidentally killed was forgiving or understanding of the situation and was giving Alec Baldwin the benefit of the doubt. But I think he recently said something in the media that was like, uh, 
I, I don't know what this guy is doing. Um, we like, why is he going on TV shows and, and uh, kind of talking about this? Oh, yeah. Husband of Rust cinematographer killed on set was so angry that Alec Baldwin did not accept responsibility. Matt Hutchins, husband of Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer killed by a prop gun held by Alec Baldwin on the set of Rust, spoke to Hoda Kotib. Kotib? How do you say her name? Anyway, Hoda. In an exclusive interview on Today, he blames his wife's death on the movie star, Alec Baldwin, as well as industry standards that were not practiced on set. The idea that the person holding the gun and causing it to discharge is not responsible is absurd to me, he told Hoda. Gun safety was not the only problem. There were a number of industry standards that were not practiced, and there's multiple responsible parties. So that's a pretty big deal that he feels this way, you know? I mean, so again, Alec Baldwin was a producer on the movie. We've gone through this. Sometimes producer does not mean that you do every single thing. It can be more about casting and writing. But as probably one of the most experienced people on that set, I feel like he should have dismantled the gun in front of everyone or asked the prop master to dismantle it in front of him. For his own safety. I mean, God, you have it in your pocket. It could go off and blow your leg off. So anyway, okay, so he didn't do any of that. He made a mistake and he made excuses for his mistake saying, you know, there's other people involved that by the time the gun was handed to him, it should have been cleared that there was no bullets in it. And he's absolutely right. But the buck stops here. Somebody has to quadruple check because again, if the gun was handed to you and it was not up to industry standards, thank God you quadruple checked it because now you can fire all the people that handed it to you so that this never happens again. Like, that's why I would check it. I wouldn't even necessarily be thinking about safety. I'd be thinking about pettiness. Like, I just want to make sure everyone under me who's younger knows how to do their fucking job. So I'm going to micromanage and check everything they do because I love firing entitled people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fire anyone. I don't hire anyone. But if I was in that position, if you can't work from a place of safety, at least work from a place of pettiness. So anyway, here's Alec Baldwin on his Instagram acting the fool, announcing he's going to interview famed pedophile, marrier of his girlfriend's adopted daughter, Woody Allen. It's coming Tuesday. He's giggling like a fool. 28th. It's the 28th, I think. With this coming Tuesday, I'm going to be doing an Instagram live at 10.30 Eastern time. 10.30 Eastern time with... He's holding up Woody Allen's book. Ugh, he's holding it up again this time so we can see the back cover with Woody Allen's picture. Tuesday, the 28th, 10.30 Eastern time. Um, I'm going to be doing an Instagram live with Woody Allen. You know what I love? I love you, Woody. What the um, fuck? Instagram live with Woody. Tuesday, 1030. Be there. He's making the weirdest faces. Just such a freak. Okay. And I love Alec Baldwin. I mean, I don't want to hate him. I think he's really cool. 
I think he's a great actor. I think he's funny. He's a great voice. But this this behavior in his personal life. So anyway, so I I tweeted something. One of my usual inflammatory tweets that gets so much attention. And then, you know, it's like I'll tweet something inflammatory that I low-key, I mean it, but I honestly, if you ask me a few hours later, if I even remember tweeting and I'm like, oh, right. And then those are always the ones that get picked up by uh, the press. Because, you know, that's what that's what being a reporter is nowadays, is you just write a headline. Alec Baldwin slammed for upcoming Woody Allen interview. And then you just screenshot a bunch of tweets from people. It's the laziest journalism I've ever seen. Then again, whenever people in journalism contact me to talk about sexism in comedy, I go, I tweeted about it. Just there's my quote is the tweet. What, what more do I have to say? So, you know, I can't have it both ways, I guess. So Alec Baldwin being slammed, but I always wake up and go, why am I getting all this harassment online? Oh, somebody published a tweet of mine. It's like, how about the tweets Advertising my podcast. Can those get ever picked up? <laughs> I mean, those are boring. So why would anyone? So um, Alec Baldwin posted on Instagram. I'm going to do a live. In, you, know, you just heard it. In a caption to the post, Baldwin wrote, let me preface this by stating that I have zero interest in anyone's judgments and sanctimonious posts here. I am obviously someone who has my own set of beliefs and could not care less about anyone else's speculation. If you believe that a trial should be conducted by way of an HBO documentary, that's your issue. Oh, God, enough with this. A documentary isn't a trial, so therefore no one can have an opinion about what they saw. What? Guys, I'm not going to relitigate this or rediscuss this. It's just so gross. You know, you got 19 kids, Alex. Maybe don't hang with pedophiles. Do you think that maybe that's why Woody Allen likes you so much? Because you got 19 kids? I'm just saying. Don't let him anywhere near the fucking kids, Alex. Just in case. Just in case. How about that? Be Think of the safety issue, Alec. Think. Pretend now going forward in life that everything is a loaded gun in your hand. And think, maybe I'll, maybe I'll double check. Right. So just don't go near the loaded gun of all y'all's children near Woody Allen. How about that? TV writer Jen Kirkman wrote on Twitter. See, they don't even know who I am. My bio says TV writer because I just don't identify as a comedian right now. Uh, Wrote. So I tweeted, I don't want to tell anyone how to live. But after committing manslaughter, I would want to just lay low and not do an IG live where I promote a pedophile. Now, that's pretty harsh language. I tell, I say he's guilty of manslaughter and I call Woody Allen a pedophile. Now, do I stand by those beliefs? Yes, I do. But I don't know, like when you see it in Newsweek, you go, oh, well, gee, that looks harsh, but good because it is harsh. But uh, it's not exactly like if I had my pick of tweets that I wanted to be published. It wouldn't be that one. It might be the one where I tweeted the uh, opening theme song to Miami Vice holds up. I mean, that's a solid tweet. Anyway, so we interviewed Woody Allen. I didn't even know Woody Allen had a book out. Just, ugh. Just yuck. You know? Oh, but Louis C.K. has a new movie out, and it is getting panned, except by sycophantic 
writers. Like Variety liked it, but they like everything that sexual assaulters do. Um, it's just a little trend I've noticed recently. But Roger Ebert, who I believe is no longer with us, but um, someone that works for that website, I think it's like the new reviewer that took over, Matt Zoller Sites. He talked about Louis C.K.'s. And I don't even, probably you've never heard of this movie. And so I don't even want to give it any publicity. So I'm not even telling you the name of it. You want to find it, you go find it. But I saw the trailer and I thought, this literally looks like a movie that a 12-year-old made on their iPhone copying a Woody Allen movie. It has that. And by the way, nobody is more, well, except for the victims and people that know him personally, but nobody's more bummed that this is who Woody Allen is than me. Do you understand that Annie Hall is one of the first, it was the first Woody Allen movie I saw. I saw it as a teenager. It blew my head off. I, it, I, it was my favorite movie of all time and, and it stood the test of time against all other movies. I just can't watch it anymore. Not because I'm making a moral judgment. I just, I literally find it difficult to look at them. It's like I'm having a reaction the way I feel like when I eat coconut flakes. I'm just, oh. So it's not even coming from this moralistic place or, you know, it just, it's just ruined for me. And, and then when I relook at, like, let's just say, let's just say none of the stuff was true about any molestation. And let's just say it was like totally cool to marry your girlfriend's daughter. Let's just say all that was like amazing and didn't happen. I just look at those movies differently now as this kind of like condescending male comedian who's like really threatened that his girlfriend is starting to have a life of her own. You know, it's just like, oh, like there's just a lot of weird stuff like that that I go, oh, this isn't fun anymore. But anyway, so, uh, but again, like it was for me to undo the years of hero worship was a lot for me. So don't think that I'm coming at this from you don't get it. No, no, no. It was very painful for me. And anyway, so, so I know that Louis is trying to, you know, mimic in an homage to Woody Allen's style, which like, look, if you're going to copy a movie maker style, it's a great one to copy. No problem there. But it's so blatant that I go, well, you got to make the movie better if it's going to be this blatant of a, you didn't even watch the movie. That's not the trailer. And it stars like this comedian who's his opening act now. And, and I went to that comedian's Twitter page and he had blocked me. And I was like, that's so funny. They must be talking about me on tour. Like, Jim Kirkman's a bitch because I told everyone what you did. Okay. Anyway, so, um, meaning told everyone about what Louis did. But the uh, the reviews, it, it guys, it's just not good. Like, even if I was like, Louis K is amazing. Like, it's just not a good movie. And then I'm like, has, has he always been kind of mediocre and we were all under like a mass hallucination? Because when a mediocre male who is funny gets elevated to such hero status. Like he's the comedian for everyone, blah, 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 smart people, this people, that people, but they're not elevating any other voices that aren't like schlubby middle-aged white men. It's very easy to be like, well, I don't see anyone else being amazing. And then like, as the doors were just stampeded down by all of these comedians from newer to have been around a while, but everyone that's just not a mediocre male schlub white man, is suddenly you realize when you put him up against other people, even though everyone does different things, it's always hard to compare. You think there's so many talented people out there. Why were we elevating this one voice? You know? So anyway, but the movie, um, 
I love that the article starts off with like he had the sexual assault things that he admitted to. But it says the film takes its sweet time getting to the point. Um, they spend forever and a day on little vignettes. There are scenes exploring this character's work as a live musician that don't contribute anything to our understanding of the characters. The listless self-indulgence continues with pointlessly fussy cutaway editing and expressionistic lighting. Green signifies anxiety for some or something. These and other filmmaking tools seem meant to enrich a thin story that clearly meant a great deal to the people who wrote it. But the sum of it has the same effect on the viewer as being trapped at a party with a nice but dull person who decides to tell you their entire life story without even asking your name. Louis attained the peak of his fame as a progressive comedian. I don't think he set out to say I'm a progressive comedian, but but pivoted immediately after the revelations of his misconduct and started pandering to right-wing comedy audiences, blasting, quote, woke culture, which is easy money for stand-ups who claim to have been, quote, canceled. Ooh, this is a great review. There's a meta layer to the story, no matter how strenuously the director claims he just wants to get back to telling stories. But if you take CK's mission statement at face value, the film comes off even more poorly. This is the kind of earnest but inept and obviously indulgent indie flick that a festival's artistic director would program in full awareness of its deficiencies because they thought the name of someone associated with the project will put butts in seats. Even though lacking such a pedigree, the film would never be seen by anyone outside of the director's family, many of whom would be pretending to like it. Whoa, snapping. All right. There we go. And I will be talking more on the other side. See you all on the Patreon. Click the link in the show notes to join.